Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. News and stuff. Next. Okay, here it is. Haven't done it for a while. Do you desire to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You hear it all the time on this Christian station. Do you desire personal relationship with the one who created you and loves you no matter what? If so, tell him so today in your own words, like this. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus fully paid the penalty for all my sins by dying at Calvary, and that he rose from the dead. Thank you for your grace to save me, even though I am undeserving today. Please guide me as I start living for you. Amen. That's good, my friend. Why don't you get saved today? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What in the world is going on? Been three days now since that panel blew out midair in that Boeing 737 aircraft. Hundreds of flights still grounded as the FAA directed U.S. airlines with MAX 9s, Alaska, United, to inspect their fleets, find out what's going on. They see some loose bolts, maybe. Meanwhile, federal officials revealed that the plane involved in that incident was, well, restricted from flying long flights over water. Okay, we'll hear more about that when I'm sure. I think when I fly from now on, I'm going to ask the stewardess, is there a plug here by this window? And uh, I don't want to be skydiving myself without a parachute. <laughs> oh, never mind. I don't know. I'm still one of those who <laughs> questions the moon landing and wondering, is this worth millions of dollars? The Peregrine Moon lander suffered a propulsion system failure now, means the spacecraft built by a private company financed by NASA will not likely make it to the moon as intended. After a successful launch there on Monday, they've posted an anomaly led to a critical loss of propellant, forcing the company to change its mission. Not gonna land. Millions and millions and millions for all of this stuff. Well, she's at it again, and in hot water again. New York Attorney General Letitia James is in the hot seat this time after urging a judge last Friday to force Donald Trump to shell out $370 million for alleged shady real estate practices, in addition to permanently barring him from the New York real estate industry. Ms. James has, well, she always has been a bit of a a fame-hungry human being that has put her politics in front of her interest in New York State. <laughs> oh, what a woman. It's part of the new America. So, Joe, do you think it's going to work? Did it work? Members of Biden's campaign trying to coordinate media coverage now, according to a new report, amplifying their preferred narratives while scolding news reporters for what they're getting wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. What a... The Biden re-election campaign is organizing off-the-record trips for top political reporters and editors to the campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. Those journalists are meeting with top officials in the campaign, including advisors, strategists, even Biden's campaign manager. Here's how we're going. They're all in bed together. The left-leaning loonies and this lunatic in the White House. The purpose of the meetings? To review media coverage and correct what the campaign believes is things they're getting wrong. You ever heard of such nonsense? I've been in the news business since, well, a teenager. 
Are you kidding me? Okay, even before I start this one, I'd, I'd like for you just to hand me the gun there, huh? A 17-year-old high school, you know, what is, this? I think this is in the Bible. The day that we call evil good and good evil and everything's confused and turned upside down and it's insane. That's what it is. A 17-year-old high school senior sent home last week after being told her outfit, which was a full-sleeved white turtleneck over a knee-length black dress with some lace trim, would make teachers feel awkward. The teen's dad, Christopher Wilson, revealed in a now-viral Facebook Live that his daughter, Karis, pulled out of class last Tuesday at Norcam Senior Secondary School in British Columbia and escorted to the principal's office before she was sent home crying. In the video, which has been viewed 77,000 times, Wilson said that he was disheartened by his daughter having to go through such an experience and being called out in class. Just insane. Yeah. Meanwhile, you can go there half naked. Everything's okay. That wouldn't bother a teacher. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Could this be considered a related story? A rogue Islamic regime in Iran has pushed itself and its atrocities back into the headlines once again, this time for flogging a beautiful woman, beating her 74 times, leaving her injured. Why? because she wouldn't cover her hair and neck as men in that government demanded. Those people are so demon-possessed, they must have dozens in them. The government claimed Roya Hashimata. The government claimed Roya Hashimata, 33, was encouraging permissiveness with her appearance. Oh, my Ah, the abuse condemned by the Women's Committee of the National Council of Resistance of Iran. And one activist group reported this woman described she was summoned to the government facility where sentences are delivered on January the 3rd. That's something. Beat her 74 times for not covering her hair and neck. Crazy. Insane people. Well, it's supposed to be the gem of the nation... Hardy, har, har. Our nation's capital is a model of dysfunctional, clueless, blue city government. Nothing highlights better than the explosion of crime there. Carjacking since 2020. The official year-end tally of carjackings in Washington ended up being a staggering 959, twice the number of the year before, 152 carjackings in 2019. That number more than doubled in 2020, and it just soars every year more and more. What's particularly hard to believe, now get this, 65%, 65% of the carjackings last year were committed by perpetrators under the age of 18, teenagers. And it isn't just carjackings that are on the rise. 274 people killed in homicides, a 36% increase. Highest homicide rate in 20 years. Way to go, Joe. How's the thing going there? Robberies up 67%. 3,500 people reported having been robbed in 2023. Vehicle thefts a whopping 82%, up 82%. Almost 7,000 people say their cars were stolen. It's amazing there are any non-stolen vehicles left 
in Washington, D.C. at this time. You'd think this calamity would provoke a huge response from local authorities, but uh, it's Washington, D.C. And nope, we got her under control here. It's the new America, a flood of evil. The question remains, what was really going on? A member of Congress investigating the January 6, 2021 protest. That's what it was. Protest at the U.S. Capitol estimates the FBI, are you serious, had 200 undercover assets both inside and outside the building? We believe there was easily 200 FBI undercover people operating in the crowd outside the Capitol, embedded into the groups that entered the Capitol or provoked entry into the Capitol. From Louisiana, Representative Clay Higgins making that statement. He appeared on the Tucker Carlson Network show Saturday, the third anniversary of the day, now commonly known as J6. He was among the few elected Republicans still questioning the official media narrative about the day's events. Given the scope of that operation and the number of doors where entry was allowed or even encouraged, and the number of people that were actually outside the Capitol that entered, we believe 200 is a conservative number. 200 FBI operatives. My, oh, it's, it's shocking, really. And it's the worst of suspicions, and that's why we don't trust the government anymore. Hey, it's happened. Tiger Woods announced yesterday that he's ending his historic 27-year partnership with Nike. The news marks the end of one of golf's most iconic images. You always saw it. Woods in a red Nike polo on Sunday at a PGA Tour event. Boy, a deal of the ages, really. In 1996, he was 20 years old, signed a $40 million contract. At that time, the largest golf endorsement ever. The signature 90 swish stayed with him throughout his entire career. He earned $500 million in 30 years as a result of that relationship. Oh, it's a, they're going to use it somehow. Great advertisement for iPhones. And coming to an Apple commercial near you soon, an iPhone that apparently got sucked out of that Alaska Airlines plane when the door blew off was found on the side of the road yesterday, and it was still intact and still working after plummeting three miles. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good, you gotta admit. I finally concluded I'm not the sports fan I used to be. Big football game last night and didn't even think about it. But there are a lot of happy people just north of us here because... Michigan took down Washington 34-13 for the school's first college football championship since 1997. The game marks the end of an era for the sport because next season it's going to look a lot different. There are going to be 12 teams involved. Among the changes, Michigan and Washington are going to be in the Big Ten. Not sure how all that works either. Anyway, Michigan, national champions in football. And finally... Who said that? You hear it a lot. You see it on T-shirts. We owe illegals nothing. We owe our veterans everything. I talked about Christianity and Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud of the Houston Astros showed off his Jesus shirt in an interview yesterday. He said, Jesus laid his life on the cross for us. I really believe that. 
My life is bigger than just football. Football is my platform. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is my purpose. Wow. Where's my Bible? Life 101, right after this. It is just exciting to see your request there. Wanting to be a friend of Greg Patton Ministries? Hello, we're our Facebook page. Very simple. Every day, more and more and more people joining. I am excited. Thank you for spreading the word. That's Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N, Greg Patton on Facebook. Yeah, I'm sharing things back and forth, giving advice, hearing the wonderful things that uh, is happening in your life, in your neck of the woods, your church, recipes, funny things, sad things, important things, all of them on Facebook. You need to plug in if you're not there today. Do it now. Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N, on Facebook. There are good things on Facebook. And man, we can get around the world today, can't we? Like never before. Join me. Be my friend. An Old Testament challenge today. I want to talk a little bit about Jonah. Most of you have heard this story so many times. Maybe you're even numb to it if you're an oldster. Even people aren't familiar with the Bible know something about Jonah, oh, and the whale. But do you know the real story? Come on. In four quick chapters, we read about the disobedient prophet God called to declare his judgment on the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. Jonah's mission was to go to the city, warn the people of their impending destruction, and call them to repentance. So we need to be doing today more and more, calling people to repentance, don't you think? Well, Jonah immediately headed in the opposite direction to a faraway city called Tarshish. Scholars think it was on the farthest west side of the Mediterranean there, equivalent to the well, the ends of the earth, making him the only known prophet who tried running away from God. You may think it's obvious why he would do this, after all. Who would relish preaching doom to a potentially hostile city? However, there was more to his reasoning, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Now, for the whale part, Jonah hops a ship sailing in the opposite direction, and God sends a big storm. Admitting he knows he's the cause of the storm, Jonah tells the reluctant crew to throw him overboard. That's Just think about that. Whereupon, God saves him by sending a large sea creature to swallow and regurgitate him up on land after a lengthy three days in the whale's belly. Three days, three nights, actually. That's in uh, Jonah 1.17. Realizing he's not going to get out of the assignment, he goes to Nineveh to do what God called him to do in the first place. And this, unfortunately, is where most storybooks end. It's easy to think the main point of the book of Jonah can be found in this big fish story and summed up in a simple moral, do not disobey God. But as amazing as this event was, it's far from the whole story or even the real heart of the story. And here's why there was a reason that Jonah didn't want to obey God and preach to the Ninevites, and therein lies the rest of the story. What is that big why? The city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian kingdom, which was one of Israel's enemies. The locals were bona fide wicked people. Even the king of Nineveh said so in, in chapter 3, verse 8, famous for violent atrocities that they committed against war captives. Accounts of such cruelty certainly would have, well, I think, added to the picture Jonah had of this nation. Furthermore, Nineveh had attacked and terrorized Israelites in the past, and the prophecy suggested that God would use them to judge Israel in the future as well. 
Jonah knew these things, so it's safe to say that he harbored no love for these people, and this story makes it clear that the feelings were far stronger than simple dislike of the people. In other words, we can assume Jonah would have been pretty happy to hear that God was threatening to destroy the whole city in a little over a month. Why then was he so impressed to the command to go and pronounce this sentence of impending judgment? Have you thought about that? Because Jonah well knew that the Lord is gracious and is compassionate, amen? Slow to anger and abounding in love. That's the God you serve, my friend. And if the Ninevites truly repented, God would actually forgive them. Jonah 4, 1 and 2. Sure enough, the very thing he feared is exactly what happened. The Ninevites listened to his message and wholeheartedly, they did it. They repented. So the Lord forgave them, lifting his imminent judgment of destruction. And Jonah... Well, Jonah was mad. He was more than mad. He was super angry. Jonah threw a pity party for himself. It's a plum party. Poor little old me. He was so angry that he actually asked for his life to end right then and there. Have you any right to be angry? asked the Lord. Then he decided to give Jonah a poetic object lesson. As the sullen prophet baked in the scorching sun, God caused a beautiful plant to grow up nearby and become a refreshing source of shade, and this made Jonah a very happy man. Then the Lord sent a worm to kill the vine, and within a day it withered. Once again, Jonah, very mad. He still didn't get it, so God spoke plainly. Do you have a right to be angry at the vine? I do, said Jonah. I'm angry enough right here, right now, to die. And then God laid out the situation plainly for his prophet Jonah, that he had more compassion for the plant that died than he had created or even intended for the several hundred thousand people that God had created and that God loved. And suddenly the main object of the story was Jonah and his diseased heart. He needed a heart transplant, not the Ninevites. When Jonah's mission had concluded with an outpouring of God's mercy, the prophet became resentful and eventually suicidal. His spiritual development had stopped and the Lord was trying to heal him, but Jonah was like a dying patient who refuses the doctor's cure, all because he doesn't agree with the diagnosis that he's really dying. Jonah thought the task God sent him to carry out was simply about the Ninevites and their troubles, their issues in life. After all, they were the ones with a big sin problem that deserved punishment. But the truth was, Jonah's mission was just as much about the prophet and his issues and troubles. This divinely appointed man of God had a poison disease heart that needed an operation. Blind to God's perspective, he could see the Ninevites in only one way, as evil human beings, evil enemies in need of punishment. But the Lord wanted to work through them to heal his embittered prophet. Isn't that something? Hundreds of thousands of people going to help Jonah. But Jonah, however, it was an unthinkable thing that God would use these people to free him from the spiritual demonic pit that he was stuck in. We're often afflicted in the same way as Jonah. How could God possibly use a person who seems poisonous to us, uh, be it a spouse, a kid, a parent, a boss, a teacher, a neighbor, or, hey, wait a minute, you just fill in the blank. Who is that person to be a part of the cure for our own unhealthy hearts today? Never going to happen. Yet nature itself proves the strange paradoxical reality that healing really can come from the most unlikely sources. Isn't that something? God does that all the time, doesn't he? Ironically, were you to be bitten by a rattlesnake, the serum that would save your life, 
would be derived from, yep, the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake venom itself. Similar, the antidotes to many of our worst diseases in life and afflictions were developed from some of the most poisonous plants in the world. Through Jonah's experience, we learn an important lesson in life. When the Lord wills for us to endure and overcome, what we'd naturally seek to escape, His directions are also our prescriptions. At such times, God has recognized a need in our lives that can only be met with a response to His clear leading. Sometimes we don't want to follow that leading of God. But when we resist a difficult divine assignment and instead give in to anger and bitterness, we allow ourselves to be robbed, robbed of the real joy of the Christian life. The pathway to our heart is blocked. Our vitality and growth become just stunted, and our testimony for Jesus Christ within us is tragically obscured. Don't you think? Sure you do. You know, if we're not careful, we can begin to develop the same attitude toward God that we often have toward our doctor. We trust his intention. He's a good man. He knows what he's doing. But fear his methods for healing. Sadly, the treatment we most need is often the aspect of the Lord's will, which we mostly resist. On the other hand, we don't rise to the call and accept the cure that God offers either. We may wonder why our healing has to hurt so much. Why can't our healer be more gentle with us? The reason is often that our condition has deteriorated far more than we ever imagined. Something within us needs to be removed, and that removal involves pain, iodine, bandage. You just name your cure. Oh, it won't cure the cancer that would take our lives, however. Surgery is now necessary. Painful? It is a painful solution. And spiritual surgery can even be more painful than that because we often want to keep our spiritual cancer alive. Be honest. In Jonah's case, he didn't want his hatred removed. He wanted it realized. My Christian friend, let me ask you today, are we so different from Jonah? God's will wasn't simply that Jonah preached to the Ninevites, but that he seized them with divine eyesight. Isn't that something? Sense their loneliness and desire their genuine repentance, not their destruction, not their death. Jonah was in danger of having a spiritual heart failure, so the Lord interceded with a strong but very effective emergency treatment. This was a crisis that required some real drastic measures. Though Jonah was in bad shape, he didn't recognize his own dangerous symptoms, but God loved him so much to leave him in that condition. You know what? God's not going to ignore your needs today, your need for healing either. What is your Nineveh in life? Who are your Ninevites? You can be sure that if God puts you where you are today, His plans are not for your harm, but your good, your healing. He's seeking to make you healthy again today and bring back real joy and real purpose into your Christian life, your Christian walk. Don't run the other way today. And finally, some Christians are this way. Two friends meet in the street. One looked at the other said, Boy, you look sad. What's going on? How'd you come to look like this? Has the world caved in? Yeah, I'll tell you. Two weeks ago, Uncle died, left me $50,000. That, that's a, Hold on. I'm not just getting started here. Two weeks ago, a cousin also kicked the bucket, left me 95000 tax-free. Well, that's got... I, last week, my grandfather passed away. I inherited a million dollars. Well, what in the world are you so glum about? This week, nothing. Nothing so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way we are with the Lord sometimes, isn't it?
You've been listening to Hello World. I am Greg Patton. Thank you so much for being here. Tell others about the broadcast. I love being with you every day at this time. Lots of excitement at Greg Patton Ministries coming to uh, Tampa, Florida in February. And we're going to be in Bluff City, Tennessee and Nashville and uh, over in Bristol, Virginia. We're just getting around the place here in the new year. That's the way it is for uh, Tuesday, January the 9th, 2024. God bless. You have a great day.